All right, let us stand and ask the Lord's blessing upon our study this evening. Our blessed Savior, Lord, we delight to come to thy table to, to feast upon thee, Lord Jesus, upon thy truth, thy word, which is truth. We ask our God that thou would increase our appetite, uh, that, Lord, we would hunger and thirst for truth and righteousness, and that, uh, Lord, thou would uh, provide even this evening a meal uh, for our souls. We ask, Lord, that thy spirit would be um, abundantly given, freely given, uh, to guide us, to instruct us, to convict us, wherein, Lord, we have failed Thee, to comfort our our heart with Thy promises, and to uh, warn us uh, through Thy commandments uh, what path we should not walk, but rather what path we should walk. So we commit this time to Thee, our Savior, asking for Thy blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at John 8, 37 through 43. That's the focus of our study this evening. But I'm going to go back a few verses to begin reading at verse 31. And I'll read through verse 43. John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How, how sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus saith 
said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. So by way of review, as Jesus uh, continues to teach there in the temple at the conclusion of the Feast of Tabernacles, this is all the same day, later on in the day obviously, but the, the same day in which the woman uh, in, that was taken in adultery was brought before Jesus at the beginning of chapter 8. And so the Lord continues to teach the people. And uh, here, last study, Jesus introduces the subject of freedom. Freedom versus bondage. And we noted that the popular conception of freedom is simply doing whatever you want to do. Uh, that's not the biblical understanding of freedom. Biblical freedom is doing what God wants you to do. Bondage is doing not what God wants you to do. And so it's, a, it's completely inverted. Uh, the world says that's bondage to, to have to do what God wants you to do. But God says, no, that's true freedom. So who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe God uh, that, uh, that it's true freedom to be able to do what he's revealed in, in his commands and his word and that it's bondage to not be able to do that? Are we going to believe the world? And uh, again, uh, it's always those types of uh, choices that we have between the truth and between error, between what God says and what the world says. And uh, as Christians, uh, we're going to walk that narrow path, uh, not the broad path that leads to destruction. That's the path that the world is walking on, doing whatever they want to do. And they think, boy, this is really freedom. And their freedom leads to total misery. Their freedom leads to destruction. Uh, and, uh, and so their freedom gets wrapped around their, their neck uh, like a like a noose and chokes them to eventually to death in in their in their misery. So let us not uh, take on the definition of freedom and bondage that the world uh, gives to us. Let us uh, rather have the definition that God gives to us in His Word. Jesus tells the Jews that those who know the truth, that is His truth that he has revealed, and uh, those who know the truth, him being the truth, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So uh, uh, Jesus reveals truth, but Jesus is the truth uh, in, uh, in a personified way. Uh, he who came to this world is the truth. And so that, uh, again, is... Uh, uh, what we find here in John 8, 32, Jesus says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
And then he declares it even more clearly in verse 36 when he says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And again, the biblical definition of freedom. Uh, and uh, uh, if, if uh, Jesus comes and he uh, removes the bondage that uh, is been our, our lot, has been true of us in Adam, and he removes that through his death and brings us into his glorious freedom, we are truly free. That's true freedom, uh, Jesus says. The proud Jews here, then, uh, they basically deny and say, uh, uh, you know, uh, we've never been brought into, into bondage by anyone. And uh, they're thinking uh, politically, but uh, even that's not the truth. Um, they, as we noted, were in bondage to Egypt. Uh, they were in bondage to the Assyrians. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. Uh, through the judges, the period of the judges, various nations they were in bondage to. Even as they speak, uh, there is a servitude to the Romans. The Romans rule over them. So, again, they they are um, simply uttering things um, to save face, um, uh, but not uttering that which is true. But they're thinking politically. Whereas Jesus, when he talked about freedom and bondage, he wasn't talking about political freedom and political bondage. He was talking about spiritual freedom and spiritual bondage. So they've not even comprehended what Jesus is actually addressing here. Their minds are so darkened uh, that they cannot really understand uh, what Christ is uh, speaking about. So let's pick up the narrative in verse 37. Verse 37 I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. So whereas Jesus has been talking about freedom versus bondage, uh, he changes the subject and goes back to the, the, the matter that they raised about them being Abraham's seed. And so now he's going to uh, talk with them about uh, whether or not they truly are Abraham's seed. And, and so he here does not deny that there is a physical sense, bloodline sense, in which they are Abraham's seed, that they descend from uh, Abraham. So he doesn't deny that. But he points out rather the, the gross contradiction uh, in their claim to be Abraham's seed uh, and their plot to kill him. Uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, interestingly, they claim to be the seed of Abraham, but in fact, Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He's the seed of Abraham. Um, in Genesis 22:18, the promise to Abraham is, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed in thy seed. In Galatians 3:16, Paul identifies who that seed is in whom all the nations of the world 
will be blessed when he says, Galatians 3.16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Jesus is the seed of Abraham through whom all of the promises that were made to Abraham would be realized. And yet, the contradiction is they want to kill the seed of Abraham, claiming to be the seed of Abraham. This certainly calls into question uh, their claim to be truly the seed of Abraham. The reason Jesus assigns for uh, this plot to kill him is that his word, that is his revealed truth, he says, finds no place in them. In verse 37, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Though they claim to be the seed of Abraham, he says, my word doesn't find a place in you. I who am the seed of Abraham and speak to you the promises of God and the truth of God, my word finds no place in your heart. Uh, you do not love my word, you do not believe my word. Uh, it finds no place and it's not welcomed uh, in your heart. You've not received it. You've not treated my word, my truth, as a dear friend uh, to be cherished in your life and in your heart, even when it's hard to follow. To see a Christian cherishes uh, the truth, cherishes uh, the word of Jesus Christ, the revealed word. It's important to him or her the word of truth. Um, where Jesus speaks, um, those who cherish and treasure his word um, are going to be those who um, hear it, listen to it, receive it, welcome it, want to obey it. Even if they have difficulty in doing so, even if they fail, they want to. They desire to obey and to follow the Lord Jesus. Whereas those who are merely by name, nominally, the seed of Abraham, don't truly desire to obey the word of Christ. Those who are merely nominal Christians, in name only, they do not desire earnestly, sincerely, to obey God's word, Christ's word. They do not desire it by way of loving it, cherishing it, and doing it to the glory of God. So none of us are perfect in our desires for the word of truth, but where there is no desire, uh, that's a real problem. Uh, we, we all struggle in our Christian life at different times 
Uh, we're not all on the same level and playing all of the time. Uh, we, we find in our sanctification that we go through periods of trial and, and distress and we fall, we falter. But again, within the Christian, there still is uh, that, that seed that we want to obey the Lord, even though we're struggling and we're failing. He will not uh, allow that seed to be completely extinguished in the life of a Christian. And that's a, a glorious evidence uh, to which we can look when we're struggling, we're saying, am I even a Christian? And again, I think the Lord can use that to cause us to take inventory. And one of the things we take inventory of is our desires. Is there the desire, the struggling to please the Lord, to love the Lord, to obey his word? And uh, so, again, by way of that, that encouragement to, to us, I was telling about the the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus says uh, there, it has no place in their heart. They, 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 they make no place for Christ's truth in their hearts. Christ's truth has no place in, uh, in their hearts because his truth is light and their hearts would be full of darkness. And the natural man wants to keep it dark. The natural man doesn't want the light of Christ's truth shining in one's heart. Again, that's an evidence uh, that we belong to the Lord. Our hearts have been changed is because we do want the light to shine even uh, into our lives to expose our sins that we might repent of our sins that we might turn from our sins seek the forgiveness of God mortify uh, those sins in our life and so um, in the case of these religious leaders um, because of the darkness they run from the light they're not running to the light they're running from the light. Uh, again, uh, it's more of an evidence of an unconverted heart to run from the light, but yet an evidence of a converted heart to run to the light. Even though it's hard, even though it reveals things that we're embarrassed and ashamed about in our own lives, nevertheless, uh, an evidence of, of a converted soul uh, is that we desire and we seek to run to the light that our sins and our errors may be exposed. Verse 38, Jesus says, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your Father. So Jesus declares that the truth that he speaks uh, comes from the Father in heaven. Whereas the evil plot that they are scheming, planning, 
uh, to bring about in killing him proceeds from their father, who at this point remains unidentified. He's going to soon identify in verse 44 who their father, their spiritual father is. But at this point, he simply uses, uh, in a more ambiguous way, their father, that, uh, that they are doing uh, that which their father has spoken to them or they have seen with their father. So Jesus here is making, uh, once again, that uh, he's demonstrating that God is his father, therefore he is the son. He has come into the world to do the will of the father. And uh, he says, in effect, if the Jews have a problem with what he's teaching, what he's proclaiming, if, if they, if they are, um, if they are uh, uh, not willing to receive it, they reject it, they turn their backs upon it, uh, they're turning their backs upon the Father, whom they claim uh, to uh, follow, whom they claim to believe in. But Jesus is revealing, you don't truly believe in the Father because you don't believe me. And I came from the Father. I'm the Son of God. And so uh, the Lord is showing that, that intimate connection between the Son and the Father to reject the Son is to reject the Father. So what do we say, what do we say about uh, various religions, false religions like Mormonism, uh, who reject the Son? Now they will say, they will tell you, no, we don't reject Jesus as being the Son of God. Well, not in name, but in substance and in essence, yes, they do reject because they do not believe Jesus uh, is um, of the same divine nature with the Father uh, and has uh, coexisted with the Father from all eternity. Uh, they view Jesus as being um, naturally conceived. Uh, pre previous to, uh, to his coming here, he was a created spirit. Um, and uh, along with Lucifer. And so again, they reject, they reject Jesus, therefore they reject the Father. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, again, Jesus uh, is the first created being by the Father, and uh, uh, the Father uses, according to Jehovah Witnesses, the Watchtower Society, uses Jesus then to create all other things. He's not, again, uh, the Jesus of the Bible. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. Jehovah Witnesses, therefore, in rejecting the Jesus of the Bible, reject the Father. Uh, Jews um, reject Jesus, therefore they reject the Father. Muslims reject Jesus, they're there, therefore, they reject the Father. Uh, they reject God um, uh, as the Father. So, uh, again, that's the connection Jesus is, is making. You reject Jesus, um, 
and we could even say not only false religions, but but even um, those that profess Christianity, liberal liberalism in Christianity. Um, if they reject uh, Jesus as being the eternal Son of God, uh, and uh, even nominal Christians uh, reject Jesus uh, as the Son of God, they reject the Father. They don't have Jesus, uh, then they don't have the Father. That's the connection Jesus is making here. Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. So the Jews once again assert, <clears throat> as they did uh, in verse 33, when they said, We be Abraham's seed, <clears throat> they once again assert that Abraham is their father which he is, uh, in a merely physical sense, uh, their father. And uh, so that's, that's not in question. Um, uh, the Lord does not even uh, uh, question that, um, that particular point, that they are physically uh, Abraham's children. But Jesus uh, basically pops their balloon, sinks their ship, um, their claim of being Abraham's children in a truest sense uh, by showing they have no true inward spiritual resemblance to Abraham at all. Uh, that's the problem. They do not desire, uh, nor do they do the good works of Abraham from a heart of love to the glory of God for his salvation. So Jesus draws here in verse 39, he draws out uh, the, the vanity of a mere physical relationship, the vanity of mere uh, outward formalism as opposed to a true relationship a true spiritual relationship and a religion of the heart, a vast, altogether different religion. Interestingly, uh, someone may profess outwardly the exact same religion, but it all be merely outward as someone who professes outwardly the same religion and the same doctrines, and yet it be a religion of the heart, where it begins in the heart and then manifests itself outwardly by way of obedience. And so someone may have the, the name of being a Christian. Uh, someone may have the, the name of being reformed. Someone may have the name of being a covenanter because they outwardly profess these things but may be altogether lacking the true religion, the truth of what a Christian is, the truth of what 
a reformed person is, the truth of what a covenanter is because they lack true faith and love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, Abraham's religion was not merely outward. Abraham's religion was that which was inward. He was justified by faith alone. He believed in the Lord and was accounted unto him as righteousness. He believed, he trusted. And that's, again, as you read Romans chapter 4, as you read Galatians chapter 3, and in those chapters, this difference between a mere outward formalism and a true faith and trust in Jesus Christ is really being contrasted. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, uh, verses 28 through 29, the Apostle Paul draws this out. He says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. So if, everyone, so if one goes through all the uh, outward ceremonies that identified one as being a Jew in, in scripture in the Old Testament, circumcision, um, feast days and celebrating those things but they, and they go through all of those but uh, they do not inwardly uh, they're not inwardly circumcised in the heart uh, by way of, of sin being dealt with inwardly by way of their repentance by way of uh, their uh, casting their sin upon the Lord Jesus seeking his forgiveness, who died for the sins of his people, uh, then uh, they're merely, they're not truly Jews, Paul says. Uh, true Jews are those who are not only that uh, outwardly, but those who are inwardly Jews. Circumcision of the heart, not merely circumcision or baptism of the flesh. Likewise, in Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Those who receive the promise by faith, those are accounted as the true seed. And so like, we, like in our case, we who trust in the promise of salvation the gospel, believe and trust in Jesus Christ that he has come and he has taken our sin upon himself 
that he has died uh, to remove the guilt of that sin, to remove the punishment of that sin, to remove uh, the dominion of sin over us uh, as we trust in him alone. Uh, so likewise, we receive the promise. We believe the promise that he has made uh, unto us, which is, again, no different than the promise made to Abraham. It's the same essential promise. Verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth. <clears throat> Which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. So the evidence that the Jews are truly Abraham's children would be that they would follow in the faith of Abraham and do the works of Abraham. The fact that they are not doing so denies what they profess. They truly are not, therefore, the children of Abraham because they, they don't want to do and they're not doing that which Abraham did to believe and trust in the Lord uh, for his righteousness. They were trusting in their own righteousness. Uh, they were trusting in their own goodness and their good works to rescue and save them. They did not see that nothing that they could do could possibly merit God's favor, merit God's um, forgiveness. Nothing. That it is indeed, again, uh, only Christ who fulfilled all righteousness uh, who can grant forgiveness. And so the Jews... Uh, of this time, of Christ's time. They want to kill Jesus. They want to destroy not only the truth that Jesus spoke, but they want to destroy Jesus himself. They want to kill him. And Jesus says, this Abraham did not do, nor would he have done. Therefore, how do you claim to resemble Abraham uh, truly? How do you claim to be like Abram, Abraham, to be the seed or the children of Abraham. Uh, because um, the idea of, of uh, children and a, a son and a father, children and parents, is that you bear a likeness. Um, that's the biblical uh, understanding of uh, the relationship when Jesus says he's the son of God he is saying I have the nature of God just as when he says I, I am the son of man I have the nature of man uh, so the son bears the image of the father so if we claim to be the children of Abraham we must bear the image of Abraham we claim to be his children. He's the father of those who believe, Paul says in, uh, in Romans chapter 4. We must be characterized by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He was characterized by his obedience. 
and we must, if we claim to bear the image of Abraham, we must likewise be characterized by our loving obedience to his commands. Uh, he was even willing to so obey the Lord, talking about difficult and how hard, uh, to slay his own son uh, at the command of God. And uh, because God said to do it, God has the right to say to do it. God gives life, God takes life away. Um, no man can ever claim or say to another person to slay somebody's son, but God has that right. And he was willing to obey God. Hebrews chapter 12 says, or 11 says, uh, because he was looking to the resurrection, the promise was going to come through Isaac. Uh, God had already revealed that. So in order for the promise to come through Isaac, Abraham believed that even if he slew his son, God would raise him from the dead so that the promise would be fulfilled through Isaac. That was, his, that was, the, uh, that was faith that he had in the promise of God, that God would keep his promise. So if we, again, uh, that, that, that's the problem with what the Jews are saying, they're Abraham's seed. They don't look anything like Abraham by way of the uh, moral uh, uh, image, uh, by way of love, trust in Christ, obedience. Jesus, uh, as we'll see, not tonight, but later on in this chapter, uh, Jesus says that Abraham rejoiced to see his day. Abraham is living many hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, Jesus says, saw the coming of Christ and rejoiced in his day by way of prophetic revelation. In verse 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Verse 41 Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus once again here points out that, uh, or points out the truth that flows from a, as we said, a father-son relationship. The son has the nature, bears the image of the father, and so, likewise, he says, ye do the deeds of your father. Now, again, he still hasn't identified who their spiritual father is. But he's saying, you're wanting to kill me, and you're seeking, uh, implied, uh, you're seeking to, uh, to be justified before God on the basis of your own works and your own righteousness. You're doing, basically, the deeds of your father. You're following the steps of your father. And he identifies that in verse 44. Clearly, we're not get there tonight. Ye are of your father, the devil. And so at this point, he's leaving it um, general and ambiguous, but he's going to tell them uh, straight out uh, who their fa spiritual father is. Even though, again, who's he speaking to, interestingly? He's speaking to those who outwardly profess to believe in him. Uh, 
Verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. This discourse is being spoken even to those who professed to believe in him, outwardly. But as we saw in John chapter 2, those who believe in him, Jesus does not necessarily commit himself to because he knows, it says in John 2, he knows the heart of every man, whether they truly believe in him. So you can tell you can tell who a person's spiritual father is uh, by their trust in Christ, by their love for Christ, by their repentance, by their humility, uh, by the fruit of the spirit that is growing in their life, by their obedience. Those are all characteristics of the divine nature uh, that has been implanted within us. The spiritual DNA of Jesus Christ has been implanted in every true child of God. And so you can tell, again, who a person's father is by what they love, by what they desire, by what they trust, who they trust in, by who they love, by what they're willing to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus Christ or what they're not willing to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus Christ. The Jews, by their wicked plot to kill Jesus, are clearly, Jesus is implying, are uh, clearly identifying who their father is, just as he has clearly identified who his father is. So they are, by their works, identifying who their father is. The Jews state that they were not uh, an illegitimate race, uh, in verse 41, then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, uh, even God. They were descended from Abraham and therefore were given the true religion from God their father, which is true. Uh, they were not initially uh, certainly a hybrid religion, but over the years they became a hybrid religion whether it be by way of uh, idolatrous nations around them or by way of the tradition of the elders that were introduced into the true religion, which they commanded needed to be kept and followed, but which God never authorized. So it became a hybrid religion. So, um, so we could say uh, certainly uh, uh, they were not um, an illegitimate race in one sense, but they became, again, a, um, a mixed race. They became an uh, uh, illegitimate race by way of their um, introducing into the religion all manner of things that were contrary to God's word. I, I wonder, as you look at that, um, 
what they said to Jesus, we be not born of fornication. Uh, is there uh, possibly the uh, inference in that statement that they are saying Jesus was born of fornication? We've not been born of fornication. Implying you have been born of fornication. And if that is the case, why would they say that? Well, because Jesus had a supernatural conception. Uh, Jesus did not have a natural father. And uh, again, at that time, uh, people uh, certainly heard uh, of this. It wasn't something that was uh, uh, necessarily kept secret uh, that, um, that Jesus uh, was miraculously conceived. And so it would seem perhaps that what they are saying is that, um, that uh, we're not illegitimate, but you are, Jesus. Another way of, of uh, accusing Christ, uh, trying to bring discredit to him, uh, to discredit anyone from following him, um, that he was basically uh, uh, a bastard child. Uh, that, again, being perhaps what is being stated here, but that was just another blasphemous accusation, if that was what they were implying. It's just another blasphemous accusation uh, that w had circulated about his miraculous conception and birth. Uh, this certainly seems to have been spoken in derision and in sarcasm. And later on in John chapter 8, verse 48, they say, then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? A Samaritan? They knew his genealogy. They knew, you know, they had debated, uh, you know, uh, whether he's from Nazareth or from, uh, or from uh, Bethlehem. That debate we looked at earlier in John. But who's ever, as far as recorded before this, who's ever said he was a Samaritan. I think that again, this may tie into the fact that, uh, that they're accusing him of being illegitimate. Uh, that uh, uh, we don't know who the father is, but we believe it's a, you know, a Samaritan uh, to again discredit Jesus. They claim about themselves uh, that God is their father uh, in verse 41, the end of verse 41. Well, um, whether that's true or not, and it's not, um, they are at least beginning to think spiritually, whereas before they were only thinking physically about being physically related to Abraham. Now at least they're beginning to think in terms of spiritual God, and God's obviously not... Uh, a, a physical father, so they must be speaking here at least beginning to to uh, speak with regard to spiritual uh, father. So they, you know, 
Whether that's true or not, again, at least that's their claim, that God is their father. And uh, uh, even if it's not according to truth, but they're now beginning to at least talk about father, God being a father in a spiritual sense. Verse 42 You do the deeds of your father. Oh, I'm sorry, that's verse 41. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Jesus had previously denied that Abraham was their spiritual father because they did not do the good works of Abraham from a pure heart because they wanted to kill him and Abraham certainly was looking forward with joy to Christ's coming would not have killed Christ and now Jesus denies that God is their spiritual father because they do not love and obey Jesus they do not love and obey him whom the father sent and so now he's saying uh, not only is Abraham not your father in the truest sense God's not even your father, as you claim. Both of those claims made by the Jews, Jesus denies. They cannot love the father if they do not first love the son. And how is love for Christ evidenced? It's evidenced by our obedience. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments in John 14, 15. And it's very easy to say, I love you. I love you, Jesus. But how we evidence that it's true in our hearts is that we are willing, and even though we fail, we are willing to obey him. And when we fail, we still obey him by repenting, by confessing our sin, by seeking his forgiveness and renewing our covenant to walk in faithfulness to the Lord. That's obedience also. That's manifesting our love for, God, for Christ when we sin and finally in verse 43 why Jesus says why do ye not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word this is a, a very telling very important uh, part of what Christ says because it really gets to the root of the problem uh, not only for the Jews who professed to believe in him at that time, but also for all uh, in Adam, for all people in Adam. The reason why we in Adam cannot understand the words of Christ, the reason that the, the words of Christ do not have a true meaning uh, we do not understand the true meaning of those words is because Jesus says because you cannot hear my word the word cannot uh, there uh, is not able they do not have the ability to hear and to hear with faith the word uh, to hear here is simply to, to talk about spiritual hearing, which is um, faith comes by hearing, 
and hearing the word of God, Paul says in Romans chapter 10. And so they're hearing, they cannot. They're deaf spiritually. All men are deaf. Not only are we blind and cannot see, we are deaf and we cannot hear the true meaning, the true word of Christ. We may hear with our natural ears, but we don't have a hearing of faith. We do not have a hearing of love. We do not have a hearing of obedience to Christ until he renews our heart, gives us a new heart, wherein we receive the ability to hear with faith and love and obedience God's word. So another evidence that you have true hearing that you're not spiritually deaf is that you hear in faith. You hear in love for Christ and his word. You hear in obedience. And when you, as I said earlier, and when you fail to do so, you hear yet by way of your repentance, by way of seeking his forgiveness, by way of walking in new obedience. That's still hearing. That's hearing when we do, again, what the Lord calls us to do, out of love, out of faith and trust in him. So this is a, basically, Jesus is talking about the doctrine, of not only total depravity, that we are corrupt in every uh, faculty of our, uh, of our person is affected by sin, so that we do not love uh, God uh, as uh, as he has called us to love him, we, we fall short in loving him uh, by way of the sin uh, the, uh, that we have inherited from Adam. Um, so our, uh, our affections have been corrupted. Our will has been corrupted so that we can, cannot um, uh, choose uh, to, to do what is, and do not want to choose to do what is pleasing to, to God out of love for God and uh, our, our intellect is corrupted so do we not think God's thoughts after him our, our thinking is perverted and corrupted so that's, that's total um, depravity total corruption of, of, our, of our whole nature but this what we're talking about right now is total inability uh, total inability that we are completely unable by nature, being in Adam, to even hear and understand what the Lord says in his word, apart from grace, his mercy, effectual grace, working within us both to will and to do his good pleasure. That comes from the Lord alone. Uh, and at the time of regeneration, at the time of being born again, uh, by the Spirit of God. And that we pray uh, the Lord helps us to see uh, that uh, to, uh, by way of, again, of, of uh, assurance, comfort, encouragement, um, and by way of warning, if that's not true of you, by way of warning uh, to realize really the state of your soul, but by way of encouragement and comfort, if if that is the state of your soul that you do desire 
you do want, you do will uh, to do uh, what is pleasing to the Lord that he's revealed in his word. Let's uh, stop there and uh, ask the Lord's blessing upon his word. Please stand with me. Father, thou hast fed us. Now, Lord, we pray nourish it to our souls. That, Lord, we would uh, uh, desire more. That we would uh, uh, not uh, say this is enough to do us uh, uh, for the rest of our life. But that, Lord, as we need physical food daily, uh, throughout the day, may we, Lord, as well desire to be at the spiritual table of our uh, of our God, uh, and that Thou would bless Thy Word that has uh, been read, and as it has been taught uh, in accordance with Thy truth, that Thou would uh, bless it mightily uh, in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. So any questions um, uh, that you might have from the study this evening raised in your mind? Okay, thank you for joining us.